breaking news announcement. I wanted to throw my hat into the ring to be the next England cricket captain. My whites are pristine. There's no red marks or splodges on there. I'm absolutely fabulous at eating teas. I never spill any of that cream horn over my chin. And I'll even eat sandwiches with the crusts on. How's about it then? Hello, Alex. I think we can all agree that he's a massive villain! <laughs> Come on, there's no enthusiasm and all that hilarity. A glorious Good Friday to you. Keep coming, Cauliflower Cheese, episode 181. A glorious, gorgeous Good Friday, and we have some Gregorian chants. Can't have too much serenity though. Hello, welcome along to the program. It's lovely to be here, Chappy, your host of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, where we bundle together, we knit, we crochet a load of nonsense together and try not to prick ourselves with the knitting needles every week. And I tell you today, I've already been into my closet and taken a deep whiff. This uh, my next door neighbor here at Chappy Towers. He's smoking a big old Aretha today, a big old Camberwell carrot. I tell you, he's rock and roll. He's smoking the Camberwell carrot. I'm, I'm smoking a lint carrot that basically has a hazelnut sort of ganache and all of that sort of thing. I'll tell you, I want to try one of those beautiful carrots. But yeah, he's, I mean, it's so strong, the smell. How can you do that first thing on a Friday morning? I mean, he must be as high as a kite. I mean, I had a white linen suit that's now slightly yellow. I mean, am I ever going to be able to get the smell out of these clothes? And does it, does it help any sort of like bugs or critters or any of those uh, things that destroy moths? I mean, does it destroy mothballs? Do moths like the smell of marijuana? I mean, this is first up, we need to find that. Because maybe he's in his closet next door smoking it to stop mothballs eating his cashmere sweaters. I mean, that's an entire possibility, I think. I mean, to just put it out there that he's trying to avoid having holy sweaters. I mean, it's a holy day today. You don't want a holy sweater, though, if you're going to, uh, going to roll into church here on Good Friday. It's lovely to be here. It's an absolutely glorious day here in, uh, in Colorado. Sun shining, a spring day. Uh, I've already had two squirts up each nostril. Um, so no allergies should affect me uh, before the end of the day. But you never know. I mean, the pollen here is incredibly, incredibly strong. Hopefully you have a good week and uh, you're ready for a relaxing weekend. Now, I have to stop this addiction to the lint bunnies. Now, how do you eat your bunny? Do you like the base? Do you like the bottom? Do you like the ears first? Do you have a nibble of it? Do you break it all up? That's my favorite. I like to break up the bunny here. But you know, the way things are going, just sitting in this room, sitting in my office here at Chappie Towers, my sound studio, my little Louis studio. I mean, it's not in the south of France. It's not, uh, it's not in Monte Carlo or anything. I'm here in Chappie Towers. I'm bundled in some old duvets 
trying to keep the sound real and warm and royal and regal. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna. Fa- I mean, I'm gonna fancy the munchies just sitting in here. I already feel like going. I can't find hot cross buns anywhere. I mean, I've been looking for these hot cross buns, uh, you know, for about a year here. I did find some last year, but uh, they're very, very, very hard to come by. So I've got some cinnamon uh, English muffins, and I'm going to have to carve my own cross on that. I mean, no, no, you know, the, the J man, he's not going to be too worried about that. I mean, carving my own cross into my English muffins. I mean, a lot of people say that uh, Aaron's staff and Jesus went to the UK, so an English muffin will not be uh, that far out of the way. But it's uh, beautiful to be here. Hopefully you've done your morning exercises, your breathing. I've had a very, very brisk walk today. I mean, never try doing a podcast, though, if you're next door to somebody smoking a large joint. Because now I feel incredibly hungry. And I have a a sort of passion for pizza at 8 o'clock in the morning. Now, you can get breakfast pizzas. I'm not too sure about that. But I do have some chicken fingers that I uh, made in my uh, air fryer yesterday. Yes, the air fryer. What a wonderful contraption that is. And I may have to do the chicken fingers, you know, maybe a little bit of uh, marmalade and butter on there. Like a chicken finger sandwich with marmalade and butter. Oh, gosh. I decided to go a little bit more conventional here. I just had the uh, mini shredded wheats, but it's almost like a sort of pincushion in your mouth. Let alone, and I talked about this on the podcast before, if you ever eat them in bed and roll over and crush one in the sheets, you're picking out shredded pin needles for the next two years. So anyway, I've tried mouthwash. If I sound a little bit sloppy around the chops, it's because I have bits of shredded wheat basically everywhere in my mouth. It's, it's, it's almost like mini breakfast cereal acupuncture for you in, in the morning here. I decided not to go with the, uh, the uh, air fried chicken fingers. Now, that did sound rather good. Now, apparently, though, if you want to make your chicken fingers keto, and I, I put flour and bread on mine, because I'm uh, probably fairly non-keto, and as uh, this podcast suggests, rather carb-laden. Um, but no, if you want to go keto, apparently you can crush up some chicharronas, or as we say in the UK, pork crackling. If you like a bit of crackling at the weekend, ah, something for the weekend, sir. Yeah, I'd like some crackling. Ah. Yeah, so you can get some uh, pork crackling, uh, break it up, and then, then coat that in the chicken. So you basically got, you porkify your chicken, you're giving your chicken a little bit of a porking. And um, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know about uh, about that. I don't know if I want porky chicken. And will it sort of burn extra stuff? Because they're already cooked and burnt, the crackling. Would it make it even more burnt? You don't want, uh, you don't want incinerated pig on the coating of chicken, do you? I mean, you just really don't want that there. So on 181 podcast today, we're going to be talking about some of the things that we may or may not be talking about. If you can't find hot cross buns, try hot crossed croissants. I mean, it's difficult to say. Hot crossed croissants. I mean, it's easy to say it the American way. Hot hot crossed croissants. And that's how I can say it. Croissants. We talked about this on the podcast as well. I think we talked about everything on the podcast today. They're going to be start. Uh, they get people are going to start uh, deleting and cancelling me for repeating. <laughs> it's very, very, very difficult, though. You know, 
keep a running order of the show. I've showed you the running order of the show before. Basically, it's like some sort of mind map. Also, here's some old news, really. But I tried that sandly, sandy leaving hair clay. Um, and uh, we'll be talking about that. But I, I can't. It hasn't. It's not. doesn't give me the stiffness I require. So I've gone off that. Although it feels really good. It feels like a beach in the Bahamas or Turks and Caicos. Turks and Caicos. And we never talked about uh, dessert suicide when you have one too many desserts. Also a Zoom introduction of an avid and obsessive knitter. Also, uh, if you eat something that you're allergic to, um, you know, you eat something you're allergic to that you enjoy, what happens next? Yes, we'll be talking about that as well. Also, my favorite underwear brand. Um, also, Chicago Stuff Pizza makes an appearance as well. Uh, we did basically talk about a little bit about uh, how do you eat your lint bunny. I mean, people talk about how do you eat your Cadbury's cream egg. I mean, people stick in their tongue. And that's very, why, why do you stick your tongue in and get it all around the mouth? God, you need a wet wipe or something afterwards, don't you? Has anybody ever delivered you inferior chocolate? Uh, also, my socks. Why are they dissolving? Why are they threadbare on a certain part of my foot? Uh, also, I have a new next door neighbor who seems quite interesting and a little bit of a nosy neighbor, a little bit of a curtain twitcher. Yes, and uh, the smell of seaside here in Colorado. And I made an appearance upside down on Zoom the other day. I do love me some uh, superstitions on holidays. And uh, here's one. Can I wash my clothes on Good Friday? Other traditions and superstitions explained. So today's Good Friday, an important part of Holy Week in the Christian calendar. And all oh, those UK people get the bank holiday. The day occurs after Monday, Thursday and serves the anniversary of the crucifixion of the Christ. Like many holidays, there's a number of superstitions attached to Good Friday. One of the most common that you can't wash your clothes on this day at all. Is this true? Whatever superstition should you be aware of on uh, Good Friday? According to the tradition, doing your laundry on Good Friday is considered unlucky. In fact, the same Catholic superstition advises against doing any type of housework on this day as it'll bring bad luck. The origins of this tradition are unclear, but there's no religious rule in place saying you can't do your washing on this day. Can you perform your morning absolutions? Do you have to abstain from a shower? Can you not wash the undercarriage? Do you not use the pummy stone on the undercarriage? Do you not use a rough type of coral on the undercarriage on Good Friday? Probably not. You need to you need to basically sweat out your stench for the entire day. Other Good Friday traditions. There's a few connected to Good Friday. A lot of Christians opt to eat fish on Good Friday. Is Jesus Christ sacrificed himself in his flesh to pay for other people's sins? For centuries, Christians avoided eating any warm-blooded animal products in remembrance as this type of fast. Hot cross buns are on the menu, though. They're traditionally baked and eaten on Good Friday and considered to be very, very lucky. Well, can I carve up my pan au chocolat? That's the question. Can I have that answered by the mighty powers above? It's said that gardening and farming tasks should wait until after Friday. No iron shall enter the ground. Children and adults alike should be avoid climbing trees on Good Friday or doing any type of woodwork. However, instead of gardening, you should go and get a haircut. The superstition reckons it will prevent you from having any toothache or headaches for the year ahead. And if you're due to give birth on Good Friday, you'll be pleased to know that little ones born on this day are believed to have healing abilities, especially if they are baptized 
on Easter Sunday. And despite superstitions, though, you can take a bath or shower on Good Friday. I was only, only teasing. If you want to get your pummy stone out, you can pummy away till an inch of your life. Love to give you some Deutsch delight, uh, but here are some German Easter traditions. German Easter traditions include many that we think is universal. Easter egg, Easter baskets filled with sweets, and of course the Easter bunny. In fact, some of the traditions likely originated in Germany. Some date back to ancient times. Some have roots in pagan celebrations. Nearly all are symbols of Earth's rebirth each spring with winter's darkness ending, snow melting. Daffodils grow in the end of Lent is nigh. The Easter bunny, though. Both the hair and the egg have been symbols of fertility. I mean, doing it like bunnies, for God's sake. I've got to say it, doing it like bunnies. A renewal of life since the time of the ancient Greeks. Both symbols can be found depicted with Aphrodite and also with the Germanic goddess Holda. Holda, I'd like you to hold me, Holda. In Christianity, eggs were symbols of resurrection and made great gifts at Easter. The first recorded connection between rabbits and eggs appeared in the book by George Frank von Frankau in 1682, titled De Ervis Paschibalas von Ister Eiern. How it described how bunnies would hide eggs for children around Easter and also warned that overconsumption of eggs may lead to stomach aches and also high cholesterol. Not the high cholesterol piece. The Easter bunny wasn't always the main animal at Easter. Up until the early 1800s, bunnies competed with the cuckoo, Foxes, roosters, storks for the honour of hiding the eggs. And then the hare prevailed. Here, 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 here. Today, some German children still believe that uh, they're good. The Osterhaas will lay a nest of coloured eggs and then will be hidden throughout the house for the children to find. Painting hard-boiled eggs is a very old tradition. In Eastern Europe and ethnic sorbs of East Germany, Easter eggs painting is a special art form. The bright colours reminiscent of the burgeoning spring flowers have specific religious meanings. Red for the sacrifice of Jesus, yellow for the desire of enlightenment and wisdom, white for purity, green for innocence, and orange for strength and ambition. Also for the Broncos! Um, also today, the tradition of giving Easter eggs and other gifts transcends religious, ethnic and cultural affiliations. Painting, hiding and hunting for hand-coloured eggs along with confectionaries will bring smiles to children of all ages. Yes, as I said, I had the addiction of the lint bunny. Eggs on twigs. Prick a small hole in each side of a raw painted egg. Carefully blow. Blow out the liquid. Content. Don't suck. Blow and hang with cheerful ribbons around the bear twigs. Bird never bird never build nest in bear tree. So if you've got a bear twig or a bear bush, then you can hang your eggs on a twig. Egg tapping. Take two painted hardboard eggs and two players. First, the two narrow ends are tapped against each other until one breaks. Next comes a round end whose egg remains intact wins. Hit the skillful movement of the wrist. It's all in the wrist, don't you know? Egg roll which is Osterei Scheiben. Take hardboard eggs and let them roll down a grassy sloped hill. I mean, it's a little bit like rolling down those cheeses in the UK. Children can push the egg with a stick uh, when they get stuck. The egg run, balance a raw egg on a spoon. Oh, yes, that's the, the tale of many, many summer sports days for me. Also, egg throw using a slingshot <laughs> made out of wool. Hard-boiled eggs are thrown as far as possible, and that would be fun, wouldn't it? Somebody you don't like very much. Get a catapult and uh, pult them with 
rotten eggs. In Germany, the celebration of Easter starts on Thursday, ends on Sunday. The first day is Grundonnerstag, or Monday, Thursday. The Grundonnerstag derives from Greinen, which is an old German word for meaning mourning or crying, since Grundonnerstag sounds like Green Thursday. It's German people celebrate by eating green dishes. Seven herb soup. Well, that does sound very good for you, doesn't it? And then uh, Karfreitag, which is Good Friday, is tradition to eat one's fish dinner with one's family. And then Onstadstag, Easter Sunday, the whole family gathers together to celebrate with a festive Easter dish. I think well, I think this is very interesting stuff, isn't it, really? We're going to continue our uh, Easter German traditions tomorrow on the Keep Calm and I have been thinking, though, that uh, I can't find the hot cross buns. So I've got a hot cross croissant. Uh, again, it's so difficult to say. I want to say croissant, but it's croissant. Um, so I've got the pan au chocolat, the chocolate croissant. And uh, I think I'm going to carve something in, carve, you know, carve the cross into uh, into the croissant. And uh, may, maybe I'll put that in the air fryer. Maybe I need to do that. Maybe I need to do a hot cross croissant in the air fryer. That sounds absolutely bloody marvellous, doesn't it? Okay, so let me just get down on my hands and knees. And uh, yes, I'm gonna get down on my hands and knees. I've already painted a Nutella cross on the chocolate croissant, the pan au chocolat. And I have the air fryer here. There we go. Put the little tray in there and the holy croissant is going into the air fryer right in the center there with its uh, Nutella cross on there. So it's going to push the air fryer closed and uh, I think we're going to put it in for a minute, shall we? Let's just put it in for a minute and see what happens here. So the air fryer is set for a minute here. God, it's a marvellous little invention, isn't it? Okay. So, yes, we're going to um, put the air fryer on. Oh, it did start. You see, you can't let things pause. It's now so 335 degrees. Oh, let's do 350. 350. Okay. And then we're going to reduce it down to one minute for our little chocolate croissant with the Nutella cross on. And we're gonna start this baby up here. I've got it on a, an old wooden box on the floor of the boudoir here at Chappie Towers. And here we go. The, uh, we've got everything starting here. The fans going, the hairs are running. And you can hear the, the fan going around here for a minute for our chocolate cro uh, cross croissant here on Good Friday in the air fryer. Now, if the whole, uh, if everything becomes incinerated, then uh, you'll know that uh, I've basically, oh, here we go. Oh, I have to shake it, shake it. She had to shake your money maker, huh? To shake the tray. And how melty will this chocolate be? Will the Nutella cross still be on the cross chocolate croissant? As we wait here, as we count down slowly and patiently here on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, only a minute has been put into the uh, air fryer and we're going to see the chocolatey goodness will it drip down my extended chin and it's finished now so we open it up oh we've got a 
a beautifully warm croissant with chocolate everywhere here. And let me take a little wee bite. The cross has gone. It's disintegrated. Mm. Oh. oh, absolutely. That's absolutely tremendous, Chappy. Chocolatey, chocolate dripping everywhere. Marvellous, marvellous, marvellous stuff. Mm -mm. It's really like a scene from Nine and a Half Weeks. There's melted chocolate everywhere. <laughs> I was finding it on my hands. There's chocolate on the touch screens here. There's chocolate all over this uh, this podcast. But I have to say, the uh, the air fryer crisped up the uh, croissant in about a minute, and uh, there was melty chocolate everywhere. I'm trying to get rid of it now. I mean, they may have to bring in uh, bring in like industrial cleaners to clean up the whole operation here. <laughs> it really is that chocolatey and melty. There's a lovely article in the Washington Post, Texting Etiquette 101, Don't Be a Wet Blanket, Set Boundaries and More. Lizzie Post once sent a message checking in on a friend with a new baby. The response came in late, a full year later. Would her great-grandmother, the prolific writer and titan of American etiquette, Emily Post, be horrified? The younger Post doesn't think so. I feel her personality would have been one where if you weren't offended by the disconnections, then of course you'd be welcome the reconnection. If the disconnection offended you, then either don't respond or let somebody else know what the problem is. Take ownership or let it go. So here are some of the um, texting etiquette, basically. Think of group texts like a dinner party. Michelle Markowitz, co-author of Hey Ladies. Uh, put a, a book about the Otherell's group messages. She tossed aside plenty of traditional texting wisdom that this should have been a phone call thinking is over. She loves writing and reading long messages. Type a novella with your thumbs. She's given up texting teenage relatives. It's easier to find them on Instagram or somewhere else. But texting manners are here to stay, especially when it comes to the group chats. Uh, Caroline Moss has many ways of group communication. Group texts spawn hundreds of notifications. They're often filled with strangers and those threads never go away. You wouldn't invite a bunch of friends to your house and not introduce them, so don't do it in a group text either, Markowitz says. Take a moment at the top to let everybody say their names and clarify how they know each other. If you need to iron something out with a particular group member, start with a new text conversation instead of making everybody read you back and forth. When it comes to money, tread lightly. Planning a weekend getaway or fancy dinner in a group chat sounds like fun, but some recipients may be squirming if they don't want to shell out for the Michelin-starred farm-to-table extravaganza. We're done with fighting over capital letters and punctuation. Sorry, sticklers, this ship is stale. A good text makes sense to its recipient, but shouldn't require consulting on sat grammar workbook. Markovitz noted, after years of reduced social contact, she's happy when somebody reaches out, even if their style of texting is totally different from hers. Skipping the capitalization or leaving off a question mark doesn't denote a lack of respect. Millennials and Gen Xers aren't exempt here. It's time we embrace the dreaded Gen X ellipses even if it makes our anxiety spike. So there we go. I mean, I guess if you're a stickler for grammar and texting, you're probably a Gen Xer. Responses aren't mandatory, but acknowledgements are nice. The past, past few years have been hard and a growing chunk of text responses began with sorry for the delay. Post says, keep in mind that plenty of texts get lost to busyness or brain fog. And if, if, they, if you really need an answer, send a kind follow-up. 
Don't be a texting wet blanket. Striking some particular tone is less important when matching your conversation partner's energy. Plenty of us have poured our hearts out over text to get okay in response. Repeatedly sending short messages like thumbs up, LOL or K might be fine if your recipient does the same. Post said, but it's immature if you're failing to hold up your end of the conversation. Texting isn't Morse code. Keep in mind that different generations have different levels of texting. Your grandma's insistence on signing her name to every message may be unfortunate, but it's no big deal. Try to avoid any shorthand. Uh, Also, it's okay to get serious when texting. Uh, Texting for business purposes has skyrocketed. It's about personal communication channel above all. But before you fire off a message to employ your boss, make sure the team has talked about boundaries. Would you prefer an email or a phone call instead? Don't text during important real-world moments when cell phone first wildly available. It was considered rude to talk on the phone in public places like grocery stores. Now we're much more lax, but that makes it all the more important to notice the moments when people around you deserve your full attention. When somebody is telling you something important or heartfelt, something meaningful to them is somebody or something terrible has happened. There are moments you need to forget your phone and focus entirely on them, Post said. Give them your best good listener which means eye contact following the conversation and asking questions so everybody knows i'm sort of relatively hair obsessed here on the podcast here i'm lucky i still have a fiddlehead of hair at 45 luscious long locks but it's curly and i want to straighten it half the time i've tried absolutely everything so i decided to I wanted the feel of uh, like that sort of on the beach experience, the beach holiday experience, the sand in my hair feel. And I got this uh, got this hair clay that basically felt like you had sand in your hair, like you've just been in the pool uh, or you've just been in the ocean and you've got sandy parts of the beach in your hair. And it was wondrous. It felt so good on the scalp. The smell was like the Aegean, I tell you. But it didn't have any hold. My hair was blowing all over the place. I couldn't keep my locks straight and stiff as I like it. So I had to go back to the hair clay that keeps everything. I mean, this literally is the gorilla glue of hair clay. But it keeps even the curliest of all locks very, very straight. And fashion guru's dog deli takes the biscuit. Duck sausage slices, sushi salmon rolls, beef pate, even cartons of bone broth. The coolest new deli counter in town might sound delicious, but it isn't for you. It's for your dog. I mean, this takes me back. I told you this before, like the the venison uh, dog food, venison and sweet potato or duck and orange and apple dog food. I, I want to I want to eat that more than my chicken nuggets. I want to eat that more than my uh, chicken pot pie, than the pizza. I wonder how good the quality is. I really feel like eating it. The British fashion designer Anya Hinmarch's latest offering isn't just for her usual set of full-heeled customers, but their four-legged furry friends too. She opened up her Hound March, a canine butcher on London's exclusive Pont Street. If you thought a can of pedigree would cut it for the dog's dinner, take it away now. There is more than your standard dog biscuit. This shop with its red and white striped awning, as well as its enjoying high-end snacks, which start at £5 for 50 grams, fancy Fidos can be treated to luxury pupsessories, attend workshops and even have their poor trait drawn. The pop-up will run for five weeks and many events have sold out. Dog owners clearly can't wait to get their paws on 
Hin Marches new 795 pound dog totes and 125 dog poo holders. Let me do, dog poo bag holders, not dog poo holders. I mean, that would be an absolute rip-off, wouldn't it, really? Uh, that would be a real shite. A serious cocker spaniel that I brought along with me drooled over the selection of treats which customers can buy by weight, pick-and-mix style, or packed from retail assistants in striped aprons and paper hats. His owner was impressed by the canine calendar of events. She is a fan of one of its headliners, celebrity dog behaviorist Louise Glazebrook. It might sound barking mad, but pets are big business. According to Statista, the pet industry in the United Kingdom is worth more than $4.5 billion. Selfridges report that Leash Canine Couture brand that makes 350-pound Antoinette hand-carved oakwood dog beds is a bestseller for its customers. The Italian brand Prada sells 400-pound black nylon puppy puffer jackets and a monogrammed Louis Vuitton uh, leather dog carrier costs £2,440. How much is the latest in a series of pop-ups? How much has run on Pont Street in the past year, which reports have been booked solid? I think in the digital world, there has to be a real reason to visit a physical store. This one is sure to set tails wagging. Just a friendly warning to you. Have you ever had one too many desserts? Now, I felt like, uh, I think if you share two desserts with your partner, uh, like on a birthday celebration, if you're out to dinner, that's one thing. But on my birthday, I basically committed dessert suicide and I went for the three dessert option. Now, I was sharing, um, but uh, after, after two of them, I love, like, pulled out, basically resigned to the fact that she could not eat anymore. And I manfully plowed on eating the final dessert and I think you reach the point sometimes and I don't think it's ever been uh, noted down carved into stone it's never got a proper name before but if you have one too many desserts you are committing dessert suicide because the rest of the evening you're going to be rolling around with basically a bear with a sore belly it's like yogi bear eating too much picnic baskets. So do not ever go too many desserts in. Do not ever commit dessert suicide because it's a fine line. You can leave with one dessert you're sharing, you're leaving and you're fulfilled and you're happy. With two desserts, you're feeling a little bit guilty. You're like, no, I shouldn't have had that, shouldn't have shared that second dessert. But most people like give up after the desserts. You do the three desserts and you're eating the third dessert all on your lonesome. Then you're basically committing dessert suicide. And I'd be very, very careful, especially if the last dessert is some sort of chocolate ganache cake. It might be the end of yours. As a drum roll towards Trump or trombone, we have my flatmate's friends ate all of my Cadbury's cream eggs. She refuses to reimburse me. There are few greater flat share frustrations than somebody helping themselves to your treats you've been craving all day without your permission. This is unfortunately something a chocolate lover has recently had to contend with after a flatmate's cheeky pals decided to help themselves to their stash of Cadbury's cream eggs. This unnamed sweet-toothed individual 
decided to splash out on five boxes of the cream-filled eggs on Friday, April the 1st, with the intention of making them last until Easter Sunday. Sadly, before the Easter Bunny even had a chance to hop through the door, they claimed their flatmate's friends managed to make their way through four of the boxes, even so without asking. The group has chomped their ways through no fewer than 20 Cadbury's cream eggs, apparently without a care in the world, crossing that many would regard as a serious house share boundary. Talking to Reddit, the frustrated Easter egg fan said, I finished one box today, so I went to get another out of the cupboard. Nope, none of the boxes were there. I sent my roommate a text asking if she had known what had happened to them because I hadn't had any friends over since I bought them and she had several friends over on Saturday night. She admitted that her friends had eaten the other four boxes. I asked if she could buy more on the way home to make up for them. She refused, saying it was out of her way. I asked if she could do it some other time in the next day or so to give me the money or buy them myself. She'd buy them myself and she wouldn't do it because she had eaten them. She's refusing to reimburse me for the 20 eggs her friends ate. I'm annoyed at this. I bought them for myself. She knows they're mine. She had my name on them and uh, they were in my cabinet. She's saying that she doesn't and didn't eat them. She shouldn't have to pay for them. The posters following Reddit users have been quick to reassure them that they're absolutely right to ask for reimbursement and that a flatmate should have offered to pay up straight away going to work on an egg. If you've never cleaned your makeup tools, it might be time to look away. A study revealed how they can be more bacteria on makeup tools than a toilet seat, with swabs showing that the unwashed brushes were covered in grim substances. Grime photos released by the Aventus Clinic, a hair and skincare specialist based in Hitchin, Hertfordshire, showed that the daily tools can be covered in fuzzy mold, fungus and bacteria. The tween swabbed many makeup brushes to see what lurks under the microscope. Out of the 12 brushes tested, 11 were found to be dirtier than your average toilet seat with eyeshadow and blusher tools, the worst offenders. Third on the list, most bacterial makeup was lip gloss. If you've been using the same one for a few months or shock horror years, it's definitely time to invest in a new bottle. Overall, 4,364 colonies of yeast and bacteria found across all the items tested. Such set of images show the product tested a vial with a level of mold and yeast. Second vial with bacteria. The eyeshadow brush test vial is almost entirely covered in fuzzy blue and green mold, whilst the foundation brush has large droplets of blood red bacteria across it. That sort of story would make your cheeks blush. And a mum ended up having the last laugh after her prankster hubby used a seductive pick to sell an Ikea bookcase. Rather than showing interest in the oak-coloured Billy bookcase, one cheeky buyer offered £4,000 for 33-year-old Jess Lewington, uh, who could be seen lifting her leg flirtatiously in the photo. Matt Lewington of Swindon, Wiltshire, found the shot on April the 12th with the intention of flogging the piece of furniture. Well, after jokingly asked Jess to move out of the uh, shot, the 34-year-old furniture business owner ended up keeping the snap of the bookcase with her in it. However, Jess had no clue whatsoever that her husband, in fact, loaded up both pictures with a post-caption, can be delivered. My wife thinks this photo will sell the unit. I mean, it was an IKEA bookcase that basically cost 4000 People are willing to pay $4,000 or pounds for the IKEA furniture that somebody else has assembled. That sounds like a bargain. And a man traveling back from a three-day stag do in Benidorm was less mortified after woman moans became uh, began emitting from his suitcase. Kudj Cullinan, that's a difficult one to say with your teeth in. Kudj Cullinan 
was left frantically rooting for his luggage to stop the X-rated noises blasting out of the amusement of the passerby Alicante airport. In the hilarious video, the panicked 64-year-old can be seen rummaging around his belongings, desperately trying to find the Bluetooth speaker his son Lewis had sneakily packed. Lewis had then asked his dad whether he could just pop in a suitcase, claiming he had no space, but in fact was creating the cheeky prank. While waiting in the queue to check his bags, Naughty Lewis hit play on an explicit video file on his phone connecting to the speakers. Suddenly the sound of moaning boomed out from Cudge's case with 30 people standing nearby to unable to contain their laughter. Fortunately, Cudge took the prank well, given that the family regularly plays daft pranks on each other. We pranked each other all over the last 10 years. It started when we sat on the sofa. I bought an air horn and decided to get my dad with it. I smashed cake over his head, moved a chair away when he's gone to sit down. God, what a load of wags these are. Dad's on edge and he knows that he does it to me too. Lewis of South Auckland Essex says the idea came to me on the coach to the airport. On the coach, he asked my mate for the speaker and he said he was going to put it in my dad's bag, sent my mate the video of the noises and told him I was going to play it. We're at the airport. I couldn't see him anywhere. He got into the queue for the check-in with 30 people behind him. I ran over and said my speaker didn't fit in the bag and asked if I could put it in his. The speaker was on. I waited for him to walk forward a little bit and gave my mate the thumbs up. My dad was looking around saying, what is this? It's been Fribilius and Fantasticus here on the podcast today. Thank you for joining me. If you like the show, like and subscribe. You can tune in and watch me and uh, and follow me on Twitter at Keep Cheese. Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese on Instagram for all the nonsense on there. But like and subscribe and follow when you can. If you like the audio version of the podcast, then you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify is an audio version, Slacker, Breaker, iHeartRadio, Pandora. Oh, you can listen to it on Audible, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, absolutely anywhere. To be honest, uh, you know, you heard the the gentleman with the speaker in his suitcase that was playing all those naughty, naughty noises. Then sometimes you can hear Keep Coming Cauliflower Cheese emanating from all sorts of different objects. Yes, you can. And uh, that's another way of tuning in. If you like music, there's the Butler Emporium Musical Edition on Spotify where we have some Voulez-vous Quiche avec moi ce soir. We have some Arita Franklin Cure, Nina 99 Red Balloons. We also have Twitchin' in the Kitchen. We have some uh, Kinky Afro. We have some Love Plus One Haircut 100. We have some Iggy Pop, King of the Dogs, Devil Woman, Cliff Richard, End of the World as We Know It, R.E.M., Bad Blood, Tay-Tay, uh, also Dua Lipa, and uh, Megan the Stallion, Sweetest Big Love, Fleetwood Mac, and some Yacht Rock to finish the show. But coming up next, we do have an Eastertide poem. I hope the podcast brings you a little bit of relief, company, joy, and the odd chuckle and smile. That's what I'm trying to do. But there's a lot of you out there who listen who I feel are quite lonely. And this is a very beautiful, melancholic uh, poem by John Betjeman called Loneliness. The last leaves are on the beach, the twigs are black, the cold is dry, to deeps beyond the reach of the Easter bells and large the sky. O ordered metal clatter clang, is yours the song the angels sang? You fill my heart with joy and grief. Belief, belief and unbelief. And through you tell me I shall die. 
You say not how or when or why. Indifferent the finches sing, unheeding roll the lorries past. What misery will this year bring? Now spring is in the air at last, not sure as blackthorn bursts to snow. Cancer and some of us will grow. The taste crematorium door shuts out for the furnace roar. But the church's bells open on the blast, our loneliness so long and vast. I will be back again before the weekend with another edition of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. I'm going to maybe get my, my rusty niblicks this year, that little game of golf. Dust off the old putter, see if the driver's head is bent or not, and uh, get out on the links. That's what I may be doing this weekend. And more uh, of these wonderful melty chocolate panna chocolates in the air fryer. So much excitement to come. But until next time, have a lovely Easter weekend until I talk to you again. Cheerio from Chappie.